We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis share for each other. We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm going to crush it at being a husband. Happy anniversary, babe. Great idea coming here. It's been an amazing year. It sure has. <laughs> Wait, you do gifts on your anniversary? Why did nobody tell me this? Didn't he forget my gift? Quick, say something. I also ordered you a gift. It has not gotten here yet. <laughs> I have a feeling I know what it is. I mean, I've been hinting pretty heavily. Absolutely no idea. So, um, there's been something I've been wanting to talk to you about. Uh-oh. She caught me using the decorative soaps again. Have you, uh, thought about us having a baby? Kids, we just got married. Are you serious? I can't create a human. Yep, he's totally freaking out right now. Ah, crying, mess, noise, poop, lots of poop. Honey. Yes. <laughs> what? Um, I'm ready to think about ha having the Why don't you open your gifts? Okay. <laughs> what? We made a baby. You're pregnant. Yeah, I'm so pregnant. Oh, um, like how much? Like 100%. Oh, like all the way pregnant. Ah! <laughs> it's gonna be a boy. He's gonna be awesome. He's gonna play football. It's gonna be a girl. She's gonna be my best friend. I'm gonna teach him how to build stuff. She's gonna do ballet. Throw stuff. Shopping. Break stuff. Theater. Burn stuff. Mommy's little princess. He's gonna be my little buddy. We're having a baby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. We're gonna crush parenting. I'm gonna crush it at being a dad. Cheers. <laughs> um, yeah, this is gonna need to be decaf. Is that a, is that a pregnant thing? <laughs> hey, good morning, Rockingham. Good morning. How are you this morning? And I am so very, very happy that you've chosen to be with us today, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. I know that there are a lot of people, a lot of voices out there calling for your presence and your attention. And we are so grateful that you have chosen to be with us um, today. It is a great day. Um, I also want to just say, as the Assistant Director of Restoration House Ministries, thank you, Rockingham, for your partnership with us um, over the last... Um, 20 years, God has been using our Restoration House Ministries to form partnerships uh, to transform the spiritual landscape of New England with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And making disciples, planting churches, making disciples of Christ. Um, this last Easter, over 23,000 people gathered together in churches just like Rockingham all across New England to worship Him. So thanks be to God, yeah? Woo! And because of wicked, awesome churches like you and other churches around New England, God has given us a, a vision for planting at least 50 more congregations throughout New England in the next 15 years. So, absolutely. Yeah! Come on, bring it. Because you know why? Every child, every child deserves a church family like yours. And uh, that's why we're in business. Uh, at Restoration House Ministry. So thank you for your partnership with us. We are, we are so happy that you're going to be partners with us as God continues to transform the spiritual landscape. It is going to be a wicked awesome ride, and we're glad you're on it um, with us. Carol and I are also uh, grateful, personally grateful, to be here. Um, Carol, where'd you go? There she is. There she is. She's my best wife ever. Um, 
she's put up with me for 39 years, and by the end of the sermon, you're going to have sympathy for her. So it'll be, it'll be good. Um, no, we were honored yesterday to, to lead a workshop here. And I've preached several times at Rockingham at the Old Space, which is certainly a testimony to the strength of the congregation that you survived that. So, come on, guys. Stay, stay with me. Stay with me. Come on. I'm going to pick up speed here in a minute, and you need to get on board, so just crank it up. I know I talk funny. I, I, I've been in Restoration House for 10 and a half years, but I, I was in Tennessee for 22 years, and my speech became corrupted um, there. So... Hold on to it. Hey, friends, let me just tell you that you should give thanks. You should give thanks to your leadership at Rockingham Christian Church because of their interest and their investment in marriages and relationships and families. You know, a majority, a vast majority of churches across the United States don't have that kind of emphasis. They don't make that kind of investment in relationships and in families. They just don't do it. Uh, 27% are all that do. Uh, last couple of years, that was the statistic, which is amazing to me because families are at the heart of our church, but they're also at the heart of God. And Rockingham Christian Church has made not only the investment this weekend and in this great Andy Stanley series that you're doing over the last few days, this week's What Happy Couples Know, but also because of the Orange Philosophy. And if you don't know what that is, you need to see Amy, see Andy, see some of the staff people. One of those persons wearing the ask me thing, well, ask them, and they'll tell you that it is wicked awesome. It impacts children's lives and impacts relationships. You know, some of you are saying, hey, yeah, yeah, but I'm not in a relationship. I'm single. And you know what? Guess what? The principles that God teaches us about doing relationships in marriage also work in singleness. Because whether or not you know this or not, you have other relationships Duh. So it is going to impact those. And so um, we are very grateful for what God has done. So I want you just to say thank you to your leaders right now. Thank you, leaders. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. So let's, let's get started. Some of the people have uh, contributed some answers to this question, what happy couples know, and let's see what they said. They said, from John and Marianne, they said this. Surrender to Jesus as Lord of your life. Love unconditionally and learn to forgive as He forgives you. Remember that marriage is a journey, not a one-time event. Keep your sense of humor. Only God can change a person. That's good stuff, isn't it? All right, and then Ken and Michelle contributed this. They said marriage is similar to cooking with a crock pot. Okay, those of you, all right. Be patient and accepting. Expecting too much too soon can be a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Good things take time. That's right. Be gentle. Respect all the ingredients that your spouse brings to the relationship. Apply low heat. Hot tempers can cause arguments. Avoid pressure. Add more grace than the recipe com- uh, recommends. And remember that we all make mistakes when cooking. A simple apology can go a long way. For all those who've contributed answers, let's give them a big hand. All right. So what do happy couples know? Uh, ben and last week Amy, who really kicked it. Yes, yes, Amy kicked it. Yeah. Um, they told us that happy couples know that they owe everything to one another and they're owed nothing. Oh, wow, that's good. Happy couples know that it's a submission competition. It's a submission competition. Let me outserve you. Let me outserve you. 
they also know that sometimes you have to throw things to God. You know, because I don't know if you know this, but we can't change any other person. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we just have to, we have to trust God. And then today we conclude the series by affirming that happy couples know they have a choice. Every happily coupled person makes this choice every day. And this choice flies in the face of the way, in the self-centered, eye-for-eye way, the reactionary way that most people live in the United States today. This choice may also seem to those of us who are from New England, in our own skepticism and cynicism, that this choice may seem weak or naive or maybe even, at worst, dangerously stupid. Now, ironically, there's an irony here. Ironically, people who make this choice don't always recognize they're making it. In the same way, they, fact, they, don't, they make it as unconsciously, they make the choice as unconsciously as many unhappy people don't make the choice to practice this choice. Are you intrigued? So here's the question. What's the choice every happy coupled person makes that they don't know they make that makes all the difference? Did you get that? Keep up. Happy couples make the happy choice. Now you're saying, that seems a little like... Uh, well, let me just tell you that this actually comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, 1 Corinthians is a letter that was written to one of the churches. Now, the letters that were written in the New Testament, written to churches, primarily were written to churches to try to help solve problems that they were having. You know, And so 1 Corinthians is a letter saying, hey guys, you're having problems with your relationships. Um, some of you guys are taking people to court, you know, instead of working things out. Some of you guys are being wrapped up in immorality. Some of you guys are having problems in your relationship and, and work. And some of you are having trouble in your relationship in the church. And some of you are having problems in the relationship in the community. And Paul's saying, all of these problems that you're having are falling back on, are drawing, coming out of their faulty local religion, which was bleeding into and corrupting and attacking their new life and faith in Jesus. And so Paul's going to write to them, and he says, Hey guys, listen, your cultural religion is telling you that if you're going to make it in this world, that you have to have some special knowledge, some Oprah kind of secret sauce that you've got to drink. And if you don't have that knowledge, then you're not going to make it. Right? Or you have to make some tremendous sacrifice, some real, some real life-threatening you know, gift to the God. And hopefully, if you do this, then this God, this God will cut you some slack, maybe not hurt you, maybe even help you somewhat. But there's absolutely no relational commitment from that God to you. None, right? Now, some of you have dated some people like that in the past, right? You know, they love you if or they love you because of. If you'll do this for me, <laughs> I'll love you forever. And, you know, some of us are not too bright and we say, oh, okay. And we do it. And then she says, well, that wasn't quite right. Or, you know, he'll say, it wasn't quite enough. Or, it's crazy making, right? You know that, right? So this, I love you if I love you because of, it doesn't work. But that's the kind of religion these folks had had in their culture, and that was bleeding into what God wanted for them through 
Jesus Christ. And so, Paul says, hey guys, listen. I need you to stop and think a minute about how God started his relationship with you. I want you to remember that none of the religious actions you're taking right now out of your culture are bringing you into a relationship with God or providing the moral guidance that you need to have a good, healthy relationship with anybody and to actually have a good, solid society. So there was a moral vacuum that you were living in, and in that vacuum, God came to you. In fact, he says, he lists in chapter 6, he says, some of you were in this moral vacuum of sexually, being sexually immoral, idolatry, adultery, robbery, greed, drunkenness, slandering, and swindling. All of those things. But then he says, I just got to read this to you. It's not on the slide, so you have to listen. But he says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, he says, this is what you were, but now you are something that you could have never been before because God chose to love you just like you were in that. Somebody say, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the gospel says. You don't, you don't earn a way to God. You don't get smart enough to know a way to God, get some secret sauce. You just, you just accept the fact that he's chosen to love you. And he says, and now he gets down to first chapter 13. He says, since God has loved you like this, guess what? You ought to love, the other, pe love other people the same way. And we call this the love chapter. You know, it's kind of like the love boat, but it's a love chapter. How many of you had this chapter read at your wedding? Do you remember back that far? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, love is patient, love is kind. You know, it's kind of like marriage. You know, it's just like, you know. And we read this chapter. But so as we're starting to read this thing, you're going to say, yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And we're going to get to this last sentence, and you're going to go, what? That's craziness. That's nuts. Okay, don't, don't panic. Just listen. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels and do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, he's saying, don't confuse slick speech, erudite conversation with or even spiritual sounding talk with love. Eloquence is not the great relational difference-making thing. But he says love is. He says words are not enough. And then he goes on. He says, Two, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Literally, I'm a nobody. He's basically saying being deep doesn't necessarily mean knowledge. And I just have to meddle here. Excuse me, those of you online, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to meddle here a little bit. Because I've talked to so many people who said, I'm going to leave my church. Well, why are you going to leave your church? Well, because I'm just not being fed. My preacher, he's just, he's just shallow, you know. He's, he's not... He's not feeding my soul. You ever heard anybody talk like that? Probably not. Well, that's good. 
Well, you know what I think Paul's saying to those people? He's saying, why don't you stop your babbling and try to love somebody? Because if you love somebody, your life is going to be transformed. You're going to be changed. And you're going to find out that maybe your preacher was saying a lot more than you thought he was saying. Number three, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not love, I gain nothing. Here's what he's saying. He says, if you give to get, you gain nothing. If you give to get, you gain nothing. We know that's right. You have love? He's saying that's enough. He Then he goes on and he starts saying this. And let's just let these words of wisdom wash over you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Folks, love doesn't keep score. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And you know, those are just beautiful words, aren't they? You know, I'm going to tell you something. I have a son. Uh, my oldest son was, was dating a girl. They're married now. They have three lovely grandchildren. I have six. If you want to see pictures, I can show you those. But when they were dating, my son took his girlfriend at the time on a Valentine's date to a nursing home. <laughs> now you're thinking, okay, great. I'm glad my significant other's here in this one. But wait. It was Valentine's Day, and they, they picked up a nice meal, and they took it to a nursing home, and they spread the red tablecloth out over this, and they had a meal with a couple who had been married over 55 or 60 years. And they sat down with this couple over dinner, and my son said, please tell us how to have a happy, successful marriage. Did that just make you proud? <laughs> Because they were saying what this passage says about love. This is the way to make love work. It's not like it is on the TV. It's not like it is on the ad. It's not adding something or knowing something or doing something or getting something over on somebody else. It's this stuff. Let that wash over you. But then he gets down to verse 7. Love always protects. Okay. Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wait a second, what did he say? Love always trusts. Are you telling me that love always believes everything? It defaults to trust? Are you telling me that the keystone habit you want me to accept for happy couples is believing the best and trusting? That's nuts. Well, maybe so, but listen. Here's what happens in relationships. Every, in every relationship, there are gaps between what we expect and what we experience. Okay? Now, Carol and I will often joke with people when they're getting married that there are only two problems in marriage. You don't find what you expect, and you don't expect what you find. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when that happens, when that bubble bursts, now I don't say if, okay, when that bubble of false expectation bursts, then we make up the rest of the story. We fill in the gap. If we don't know the story, we fill in the story. Now, let me ask you a question. Here's the $64,000 question of happiness. What kind of story will you write? What will you use for the content of your story? Will you use all their past mistakes? Will you get historical and hysterical? Will you use everything they've ever done wrong? Will you use every hurt, habit, hang-up, every problem you've ever experienced? Or will you choose to write a grander story, a greater story that's bigger than your own hurts, habits, doubts, fears, rights, and demands? Will your story inspire or curse? It's a choice. You believe me yet? Well, let me refer you to a leadership book. I know that sounds strange, but in 2005, um, Buckingham, Marcus Buckingham wrote a book called The One Thing You Need to Know. And in that book, they did a study, a 20-year study with couples to find out what was the common denominator for happy couples. Now, here's what they assumed. They assumed that as people lived longer together, they realized that their expectations were too high. And they lowered their expectations and they became satisfied with their relationship and just said, well, you know, that's just the way it is. And they got happier. But the research actually showed the exact opposite. What they discovered is that the happiest couples in this, over this 20-year period actually had some sort of unrealistic, optimistic, positive view of their partner. They were almost blind to their spouse's deficiencies. In fact, when they, were, when they rated their behaviors, they always rated their partner's behaviors more positively in every quality than they rated themselves. So here's how this worked. The positive illusion created an upward spiral of love. The illusion created conviction. Conviction led to security. Security fostered intimacy. Intimacy fostered love. And love created happiness. And so their recommendation from this study was this. Find the most generous explanation for each other's behavior and believe it. When the bubble bursts, write a better story. Now, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. There, are, there is an exception. When there is abuse involved, the better story is going to look like this. Friends are going to circle around you. Friends from the church are going to circle around you and they're going to support you. They're going to help you work through the legal system to protect you. And they're going to help you escape so that you can start writing a brand new story. Because we cannot control other people. Okay, there is that disclaimer. But even business will tell us in... in in life, the cost of believing the best for your employees is always less than the cost of believing the worst. Believing the best from them is always more costly than believing the worst. Now, if we know this with employees, we also know it with our children, right? Have you ever had met this parent who just says, yeah, he's just going, he says it right in front of the kids, you know, he's just going through the terrible twos, he's just terrible. You know, or he says, he's just mean. 
It's all right. Don't worry about it. He's just mean. He just can't control himself. Don't worry about it. Guess what? Kids are saying, well, I don't want to disappoint my parents. Hey, look, I broke it. Aren't you proud of me? I hit him. Aren't you glad? Woo-woo. You know, I did it. I did what you expected. We know that's true. So why is it difficult for us to believe the best? Well, there are two reasons. It's hard for us to believe the best because of what we've experienced. He's late again. She forgot again. He didn't call again. When we start to feel that adrenaline pumping through our veins, we get hysterical or historical, and then we start letting it loose instead of rather, rather than building on the foundation of love where the steadfast love of the Lord is new every morning. Every day we start over. So, two, well, obstacle number one, what we've experienced. Obstacle number two, who we are. Ben talked about in the beginning of this message in the beginning of this series, that we all carry with us into our relationship a box of experience and our personality. We spent a long time yesterday unpacking this box of personality, um, those of you who are with us. So we bring with us all of our baggage of fear and failure and insecurity, all of our I'm not enough thinking, mm-hmm, come on. We bring that with us into the relationship. And then there are certain behaviors from our significant other which trigger from us a response. Hot buttons. Newsflash. Conflicts stem from within and are most often managed rather than resolved in intimate relationships. What did he just say? He said, statistically, that 69% of all conflicts in a long-term relationship are perpetual. 69% of all conflicts in a long-term relationship are perpetual. Do you know why? Because they come from within who we are. Well, she pushed my buttons. That's what he said. She just knows how to push my buttons. Well, let me ask you a question. Whose fault is that? Or let me ask it another way. Whose buttons are they? Hmm. So here's what I'm trying to say, folks. No matter what you've done or what's been done to you, we can still choose to believe the best. We can still choose to provide a generous explanation. We can still choose that because that's how God chose us. Generously, almost irrationally. And he says, you can love in the same way. With that in mind, listen again to this last, to this last couple of verses. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love isn't trying to catch the other person in a fault. Love always protects. Love doesn't let suspicion sneak into the relationship. Love always trusts. It always chooses to trust. It always chooses to believe the best. It chooses a generous explanation. Love always hopes. It always trends upward. Love always perseveres. It overcomes resistance, doubt, suspicion, fear, Love is determined to trust anyway. Do you believe the worst or do you assume the, the best? Well, you're probably going to be right. Do you immediately go negative? Let me just tell you this, my friends. If we're always seeing red, 
it's going to be hard to see the blue skies of hope in our relationships. So here's the bottom line. Happy couples know it's a choice, and it's your choice every single time. And it's easier if every time you face the choice, you deal with that one time, than if you try to deal with all that stuff that's gone on in the past. If you've forgiven all that stuff that's gone on in the past, then you're free. You're free to deal with what's right here before you, to be present in your relationship, and that's what we all want. Now, some of you are still back there being, being in England, and you're saying, yeah, but you don't know her, or you don't know him, and you're right, and I probably don't want to know them, but, <laughs> but, you're saying, isn't there an option B? Oh, yeah, there's an option B. Here, let me show you option B. Here it is. Love delights in uncovering mistakes. Love thrives on speculation. Love assumes the worst, and it embraces doubt. Now let me ask you a question. How far down the road do you think that love truck is going to take you towards happiness? It ain't going to work. It simply is going to lack the power that you need. But it does explain why we in the United States have the highest divorce rate in the world. Choose to trust, or one of the highest divorce rates. So here's the conclusion of the matter. Choose to trust. Trust equals acceptance, and hearts are drawn towards acceptance. Are there difficult conversations that we have to have in relationships? Yes, don't avoid them. Walk into them, but walk into them gently and slowly and lovingly, one at a time. And when you get done with the conversation, go back to loving and choosing trust, because that's what happy couples do. You need an ABC of what you need to do today? Let me give it to you. This is my suggestion. A, accept God's perfect love for you. Following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. It makes us better at relationships. Jesus leads us towards a less self-centered, more transformed life, impacting our marriages and our homes and every relationship that we have. Jesus makes a difference. And as much as I or RCC would like our marriages and our relationships to all be happy, our ultimate agenda is not about happiness. It is about you beginning or rebeginning a relationship with God by choosing to trust and follow Jesus. Because that decision you will never regret. That's a relationship that will enrich every other relationship that we have. A is accept Christ's love for you. Bathe in it. B, believe the best for a week. Some of you are sitting back there saying, I can't climb that mountain. Mm-mm, it's too big. Okay, well, maybe you can't climb the whole thing today, but can you trust, can you believe the best for today? How about try it a week? Try it a week. At the end of the week, stop and ask yourself, did believing the best make our relationship healthier and happier? And if it did, then why not think about continuing it? C, we're still going to mess up. So choose when you blow it to start over and ask yourself this. What kind of story does Jesus want to write with our lives? And friends, you can choose. Go write a good one.